electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber at the New York Stock Exchange. Futures have been around the block once again, going negative after that G7 statement uh, brought no specific call for monetary or fiscal policy action. More companies pulling guidance on coronavirus. And of course, it is Super Tuesday. Europe's still up, though, uh, 2%. Ten-year yields around 112 this morning. In that G7 statement on the virus, the group's finance ministers and central bank governors say they are closely monitoring the outbreak, adding that given the potential impacts on global growth, we reaffirm our commitment to use all appropriate policy tools to achieve strong, sustainable growth and safeguard against downside risks. But the group offered no specific actions to combat the virus. How disappointing was that? Yeah, well, look, I, I think this is the same problem. Central bankers are dealing with a biological problem that is then going to spill over to economics, which probably needs fiscal help. Uh, what are we going to talk about here? We have a uh, school closing. OK, so let's talk about next restaurant closing. How about mall closing? Well, how about the people who work at these places? How about the thinly capitalized companies that are supposed to pay these people? Uh, Steve Leisman, I worked with him this morning, an excellent uh, drop in there, parachuting into their office. He was talking about how at one point the Federal Reserve was saying, uh, look, we will stand back behind people whose uh, insurance, for instance, isn't paid off for a hurricane. I think that it's up to Treasury. It's incumbent upon Treasury to say, you know what, we are going to work with small business. If you have a problem, you can come to us because that's where the real pain is going to be. And we, we don't want the only retailer to be Walmart when this thing's over. No, no, we don't. Uh, we'd also like there to be more test kits available, which I think is finally well, starting to that. happen. But that's been a real problem, I think, out there, uh, at least when you talk to yeah. some of the experts in terms of just having an understanding of how many people really have it at this point so we can get realistic totals. There seems to be a certainty that once the test kits get out there, we're going to see a lot more cases. And the question then is... Is the reaction going to be more concern right. or in some way is it going to give people a, a, a little more more facts? Yeah, well, I think facts are the only thing that can confront fear here. I mean, maybe if you have a, a bigger look, if you have only the people in the hospital who get it and, they, and some die. Well, that's kind of a skewed figure versus how many kids were 15, 12. I mean, you know, we don't even know. Why haven't the Chinese told us like the 15 year olds get it, the 12 year olds get it? Now, why haven't the Chinese just really worked closely with every nation to say, here's what we know? Because the Chinese have this vast repository of information. They ain't telling us nothing no, as far as I'm Chinese concerned. Chinese are, are, have done what seems to be a fairly good job of containing it at this point, about, mitigating, I should say, in terms of no, the new case numbers. Well, how'd they do it? Very, they track every single person. They don't let you at work. They monitor you. Uh, make sure you have your face mask on at all times. Don't talk to other employees. They know, based on your cell phone data, where you've been. If you've been in contact with anybody they think has had uh, the virus or could have had it, they prevent you from going to work. Jeez, we we can't do that here. We can't do that here. And I imagine they can experiment on people in a way that we would not in the sense, not in the sense that, look, they're trying to kill people, but we have very strict protocols about giving someone a disease. I don't know what their protocols are. I know that they have a lot of, they're willing to handle false positives in their hospitals that we would never do. But David's right. I mean, if you can shut it down doing something involving, I mean, that is really extreme. But if that's what it takes, I mean, a totalitarian well, that country may be can what do it. We're not capable of doing that. No, we're said. not. No, of course not. And we're not tracking people via their cell phone and removing them from work if we think they've been exposed to somebody who might have had the virus that we've identified no, previously. No, I mean, you know, we read about a Westchester, someone in Westchester, that's an area club for the people who aren't around here. It's very close to us, and we think there's one person, and obviously in China they're tracking yeah. hundreds of thousands. Meanwhile, the, the, the mortality rate in South Korea is very low. David, you're not allowed to say that. Because immediately people are going to say that you are owned by the administration. Uh, we have 105 oh, cases yeah? and six deaths. So are we, are we going to argue there's a 5% death rate in and this by country? by the way, they're all elderly, almost, they're all either underlying health or 
elderly people in a nursing home in Washington. It's the denominator. I mean, Dr. Fauci, who has not been silenced by the administration, because he's written good articles, New Internal Medicine, he's talking, he has been over and over talking about how this is a really, really, really bad flu. Now, people say, oh, well, what does that mean? Because they haven't experienced bad flu. I mean, when I was uh, younger, David, in the 19th, Spanish flu, well, when younger in the 50s, there was a flu that, that killed the equivalent of 100,000 people. So Fauci's not giving you the high sign to go out to dinner. He's just saying, listen, there may be something between there's something between SARS and this. And you've got to respect the fact that it's entirely possible that this may be 0.5 or 0.6, like some of the really, really horrible flus. Now, people immediately said when you post that, people just say, oh, well, he's he's just saying it's a cold. He's not saying it's a cold. He's saying it's a flu and a lot of people are going to die. Right. But the real question then becomes, and the, what we're trying to help people understand and deal with is, what are the economic ramifications going to be? Every day brings new cancellations of right. conferences, of gatherings where people uh, had plans to get together, where a lot of economic activity would have taken place right. that no longer will. How short-lived will this be uh, is, is a question. And, and you know, the market yeah. is simply trying to determine that at this point as our... Uh, as are obviously owners of businesses. Well, I mean, you know, Mark Benioff put out the most definitive, Salesforce CEO, the most uh, definitive list of things. I, I think it's going to be the prototype of whatever it has to do. And what I'm just to quote, no international travel. All cross-border travel is prohibited. Wow. Well, I mean, this is a company. It's a worldwide company. Yesterday. Vanguard did the same thing yesterday. And Twitter and, and told people not to. Twitter's uh, encouraging all employees to work from home. Some of them, depending well, on the country, uh, you cannot work well, the from the The CEO works from home, so I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of set by example. And then all the, all the pulled guidance, Jim. Hyatt, Microchip, uh, Corvo. Well, it's uh, about time they pulled guidance. Who the hell knows? New York Times I mean, yesterday, ad revenue. That was very weak. That's a, I mean, that's a reflection of pull back as a result of expectations in terms right. of travel and everything else. So was yesterday just a uh, fluke rally? Oh, we're, supposed to ask you, we're supposed to ask you that. Okay, yeah, here's what I say. It's the most oversold that it's been. Uh, I, I went back to the oversold in 2000. There, every time it's been this oversold, with the exception of 2008, uh, you had this kind of rally. And it tended to have staying power, which is something nobody's thinking. Now, does, it, does the market know something we don't know about? Some, uh, something that is a drug that you can take in the hospital that gets you out of the hospital. And once again, I want to explain. Like when I, I lost my father, so what happens? He breaks his hip, pretty healthy. We get him in the hospital. And they say, listen, he's got to get out of the hospital in 48 hours. We couldn't because he wasn't able to stand up. So, of course, he gets pneumonia, and then he dies. Now, he's a healthy person. He gets pneumonia, but he's 92. That's what happens in the hospital. You don't want to be in the hospital. So we can get people out of the hospital and make it so they can be, uh, get better at home. Huge win. It, now, it, that's not, when you say huge win, I'm saying that there's a far more likely chance that people can live instead of getting a really serious uh, pneumonia that you can't get from in a hospital. Right. You might have it already. Uh, what about, in terms of yesterday's price action, uh, this argument that the stocks that got hit the hardest in the last half of February rebounded the least, right? Yeah, they, they didn't because they, there's no, you, you were still in the cruise lines. They make sense to go down because, and I remember dealing with Chipotle. Chipotle took 18 months. I mean, what the heck are they going to do? Delta's up big because Warren Buffett bought stock. I mean, okay, so tomorrow he's going to buy stock again. I mean, come on, people. I mean, these are companies whose earnings are going to be slashed. These, a lot of these guys are just saying, like Visa did, the lower end. Lower end, we don't know how low it can be. We don't know how low, long it's going to go. If everybody slashes low end, then what happens? You say, okay, well, listen, S&P uh, multiples lower, and this is why. But you see the Carnival, Royal Caribbean, Norwegian cruise. If you're buying those right now, do you know something we don't? Do you know something about bookings that we don't know? Do you know something about... The princess, diamond princess, that, you know, that it really wasn't that many illnesses? What, what do you know? certainly seemed to be a lot of illnesses off that ship. What, over 600, right? What's well, that's a Petri dish. You've said that before. And you've well, also right. people not to buy these stocks. Yes, I have. Yeah. And it's been okay. It the, only, the only stock that I would recommend you give is Quiagen. Yes, well, that is going to be <laughs> up a lot. We'll get to that. That deal from Thermo, of course, to buy the company. But do you look uh, for a little over 10 but billion? It is interesting that if you at all yeah. on air, I'm going to do it, but say that this thing is not the worst thing that's ever happened uh, or, or put it in some sort of context, which is this is horrible. People immediately blast you for not being serious about it. 
Well, yesterday, all I did was put up a quote from Dr. Fauci. There isn't anyone in the profession who doesn't think he's the best. It was a quote. And what did people say on, on Twitter? How could you misinterpret his quote? How could you do that to his quote? I mean, I made very clear that all I did was give his quote. It doesn't matter. And what was his quote? It says that maybe it's not going to be 1.4, which is what China has. The deaths on 1,099 people, 1.4 deaths. Well, yesterday on Squawk Box, Dr. McCarthy, who was very adamant about the test case, uh, the test test kit problem, also said he thought the, the fatality rate would be far lower. Right. Uh, potentially looking at South Korea's numbers, which are aberrant, at least compared to so many of the other yeah. Uh, ones right. that we've looked I, at. We can be um, critical, by the way, of the CDC, but the Chinese did cover up this thing for two months. I mean, we could have gotten a little bit of a yeah. heads up there. You know, we're all still trying to figure it out. The one thing we do know here, public service right. announcement every day, wash your hands a lot and don't shake hands. I do it. Don't shake hands. Well, we have to get rid of every, We have to have a policy. You, you, you can't shake hands. I mean, it's just Why? Why? It's atavistic. Remember, they didn't, in the Ebola crisis, they did not shake hands, and they had surprisingly few deaths. And that was just a very simple thing that they did. Don't shake hands. You want a mask? I got some masks in my bag. Uh, you gave me a few. No, I got better masks. Oh. I got really good ones. Uh, I will take some, sure. You want it? Uh, well, I may be traveling later this week. Are you going down to Tulane? I may be, yeah. I'm gonna, All right, let me catch you I'm actually still supposed to be going to New Orleans. We'll see. You're going to go? I wouldn't take that. I wouldn't go. You wouldn't go? Here you guys. Here you go. These are the ones that are good. Being advised, potentially. These are the good show. ones. Whoa. Okay. Those are good ones. Yeah, these are the good ones. So, Where'd you get those? Uh, by They were third party. It came in a Staples box. Here, David, you're going away. Made, uh, this is 3M. Now, these, now immediately yeah. someone's going to say, they don't work. There's this to that, to this to that. Oh, yeah, you want mine, don't you? Thank you. They don't work. They don't work. I'll tell you, they don't work. Give me 100 of them. They don't work. Can I have yours? All right. Tired of they don't work. Yeah. They have some ability. Okay, these are the good. Now, I've got the Honeywell one coming. And the Honeywell one is coming so that if something happens in my family, I can take care of my wife. Because you have to know fit very well for these. Is it fit these don't important? fit as well. That's the wrap. But they fit. They do more than the paper. Oh, yeah, the Honeywell doesn't need to fit. I mean, look, all like. Wait, you wear it like this, right? Look, if you're going to be on a plane and you don't wear this, David, I think you're kind of a joker. I'm, all right. Really? What are you, like a hero? This, we don't need another hero. You don't need to wear these. Only it's if you better have than the not, virus. No, no, no. Or it, if it, you're does, sick. it does some. Yeah. There was the NBC Especially report. if Did you some. are exhibiting symptoms and you need to get to the hospital, yes. then you need to wear the mask. Yes, yeah. but I mean, it's like I'd rather have them, you know, oh, it doesn't work at all. Okay. You think everything gets, this, this is the better one. Thank you, Jim. It doesn't fit perfectly. I know. It's really bad. Okay, let's just destroy it. No. It's better than nothing. Yeah. N95, you're going to get to know that name. Look, I mean, we do the hand sanitizer. Can I just tell you, if, unless you sing Happy Birthday twice, that thing doesn't work. You, I washed my hands this morning, but then immediately what happens, I have to go touch the thing to open the door. So what is that? Uh, we're going to get we're going to monitor Mnuchin this morning at House Ways and Means. You Futures better talk about small business are swirling around. Let's get to Meg Terrell as well. Get a, an update back at HQ on the outbreak. Hi, Meg. Hey, guys. Well, just one more health tip to tell you about. Don't touch your face. That is a main thing as we're touching everything. If you can limit face touching, that's huge. OK, to our update case numbers across the United States. They're continuing to rise with the expansion of testing. Now more than 100 cases in 15 states and six deaths all in Washington state. In Seattle and King County, the government purchasing a motel and setting up modular housing units on public lots to isolate patients. As New York City has confirmed its first case, one school in the city has said it'll be closed today after a suspected case in its community. Separately, Governor Cuomo just now confirming a second case in the state in Westchester County, a potential case here of community transmission. In China, as new case numbers decline, major cities are putting new restrictions on travelers from other countries with active outbreaks. At least 13 people in China have been diagnosed with COVID-19 after traveling to places like Iran and Italy, which both are reporting more than 2,000 cases. In South Korea, case numbers have climbed to more than 5,000. Worldwide, cases top 91,000, with more than 3,100 deaths. And pharmaceutical companies met with the president yesterday to discuss timelines for vaccines and medicines. Biotech company Moderna, which has already delivered the first batch of its vaccine to the NIH, said they were just waiting for the FDA's go-ahead to start the first clinical trial in people. Still, it'll be at least a year, officials say, until a vaccine could be broadly available. Therapeutics may have a faster path. Both Gilead and Regeneron working in that space. And Regeneron CEO Dr. Len Schleifer will join us this afternoon on The Exchange, guys, to tell us more. Back over to you. 
That's going to be one to watch, Meg. Yeah, uh, thank it, you. By the way, Schleifer yesterday told the president there is precedent for vaccines to make things worse. You don't want to rush and treat a million people and make 900,000 people worse. Absolutely. You know, he uh, and his partner, George, instrumental uh, in solving Ebola. And I know that the president apparently, as Meg said, called him Lenny. I've known Len. Len was my first guest on Mad Money. Really? Stock was at five, then went to 500. Uh, he's a remarkable guy, fantastic. I don't, I still don't know him well enough to call him Lenny, so maybe I maybe the president's first time. But that one o'clock interview is going to be really important because this is a man who has been in the trenches and can tell the truth and is working very hard on doing exactly what we want, which is solve, solve. All right. A lot of news headed our way in the next couple hours. Uh, we'll monitor Mnuchin at House Ways and Means already on the tape this morning, uh, making some comments about the G7. Uh, we'll get you that after the break. Be sure to check out our podcast. Listen to the opening bell hour Squawk on the Street, wherever you hear podcasts. We're back in just a moment. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. All right, time for a mad dash and an opportunity for us to talk stocks, something we haven't done quite as often, at least individual companies. Tesla, yeah. certainly a name we like to focus on. What's going on, Jim? JMP today, raising our rating, your market outperformed, price target 1060 Very well-reasoned piece, which just talks about what should be the right place to pay, uh, what price to pay. Uh, talking about 30-plus EBITDA multiple. Uh, near-term virus disruptions could create what? Uh, buying opportunity. No, no, David, this is Tesla. Got it. Everybody right. else is having supply chain issues and right. demand issues. No, for Tesla, so it's, it's an opportunity. COVID-19 is good for the market. Yeah, yes, yeah. It's and, that one. Well, it's a plus. It was like, this is your only chance to get in because you see you had a momentary decline. Yes. So this is what, I mean, this is what passes for me. I mean, this is the research. And what I have to say is that I know this is going to sound Pollyannish. I, I agree with the call. You do. I think it's the only one. I think all the auto companies are, when I look at Ford, David, I think Ford is not doing well. GM not doing well. And these guys still don't have to do any advertising. This Berlin plant, if they put it up fast enough, is going to be probably the place that you visit. Like I visited the Lamborghini plant in Italy, which is unfortunately cost them a lot. But I do think that this is a company that is going to have earnings. And then the, the remaining shorts, if there are any, are going to have to deal with the fact that it's the only auto company that people, they want the cars. And I spent a lot of time talking to Mike Worth from Exxon, you know, from Chevron today. Not from Exxon, didn't do that well. And we were talking about EV, we were talking about how ESG, we were talking about, but there's still going to be combustion engines. But people like electronic vehicles. They do, without a doubt. Europe. Yep. Uh, still a Europe. very, very small percentage of the overall market. I course, know, but, but that is going to change. Yeah, it will. And Chevron admits it. But 30 times EBITDA, 30 times, 30 years worth of EBITDA, that's baiting more. That's more on not just What are you throwing EV, cold water on this? That's oh, autonomous. By the way, Elon that's Musk. Robot, no, that's, look, you may not like it, but Elon Musk just said that batteries. you like Jack. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. Talk a little more about the Twitter uh, potential fight there between Elliot and... something? Oh, we'll talk, let's talk a little is more a about it later. No, no favor report today. Too much Corona. All right, let's uh, let's tell you. By the way, as a reminder, you can always watch us live on the go. It's the CNBC app. Download it today. We got a lot more squawk in the street, including an opening bell. Ten minutes away. The swing in futures once again numbering in the hundreds of points as we now have two cases in New York City, a couple of schools closing as a precaution. Mnuchin's on the Hill saying the G7 has agreed to do everything possible uh, to mitigate harm. The opening bell in just about seven and a half minutes. You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Every day. 
thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Shehi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. You're watching CNBC Squawk on the Street, live from the financial capital of the world. The opening bell in three and a half minutes on another busy Tuesday as we got through that G7 call with no specific call to action. Mnuchin's in front of House Ways and Means right now uh, saying a couple things. Um, trying to get out about a million virus test kits and that if there is a need to stimulate uh, the economy, he says infrastructure will be a priority. Uh, we'll see what else he brings us in the coming hours. Ah, I was kind of hoping you would talk about small, medium-sized business. You're not looking for works programs. Just looking to be able to make it so companies that are week-to-week will not uh, be have to close and therefore laying off people. Remember, there's two kinds of people who can stay at home. There's people who can stay at home because their bosses had said work at home. And then there's people who have to stay at home because they have no job. And we don't want those people to have to stay at home because how do they feed their families? So that's what, the, that's what they should be talking about. And by the way, J-PAL cannot feed your family. I mean, you're not going to do better on that interest rate cut. What you need is a pledge from the government that we will help tide you over until this thing passes. Right. Because the small means business can't, listen, can't go through this. Well, there's, there's work restrictions because of public health. There's, right. I mean, Reuters with this story on Chevron offering buyouts. I know you talked to them uh, today, right? Yeah, I mean, they're pretty... Uh, you know, they're talking about returning $80 billion over five years. The Chevron is by far the best capitalized oil company. They've got the best dividend policy. They've got the best buyback policy. Mike Boris done a remarkable job. He's also a leader, by the way, in ESG. I know it's difficult to have a carbon company have a lower carbon footprint, but he's, he's being very thoughtful about it. Uh, but but yeah. employment in the oil patch, is at risk, would you argue, yes or no? Everything's at yeah, risk. Right. Everything's at risk. I mean, you can do a look, great job running your oil company. It doesn't mean stock's going to go up. Well, that's what we were talking about. I, I said to him, I said, you know, I've heard, listened to you. You're fantastic. You're fantastic. You're fantastic. Sold to you. But at some point, don't you think, I mean, there is a number that there is a value there that I just wonder about the incremental dollars, given how much is in a so-called ESG strategy these days that I completely will be prevented agree. from investing in a company like well, I completely agree. But we have to get out of the ETFization. All oils are created equal according to the ETFs. And that's what's really been hurting him, I think. He did not disagree with that. Uh, meanwhile, the number of companies who are taking events, Jim, and putting them online, Target's Investor Day, uh, Adobe's uh, Adobe Summit, right? Wow, the Adobe Summit's really big. Uh, Facebook's not going to South by Southwest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's really it's, happening. It's, it's mean, adding up. It's adding up. Yeah. And Obviously, it, will have an impact on local economies as hotels. well, whether it's Vegas, whether it's New York, whether it's places that people congregate for these kinds of events. Yeah. I don't think that people will be forgiving toward travel and leisure that says we're not going to make the numbers. They'll be forgiving toward Visa not making the numbers because Visa is well capitalized, not, not an issue. But these other guys, I mean, I don't know. You have giant infrastructure. You, we're a service economy, and this is going to hurt us. Let's get to the opening bell this morning and get the S&P 500 at the CNBC Real-Time Exchange. And the big board at Cisco's Corporation, SYSCO, celebrating its 50th anniversary as a public company at the NASDAQ at CNS Pharma, uh, developing treatments for cancers of the brain and central nervous system. How will Cisco do? Cisco that provides to so many restaurants. And restaurants are going to be hurt. I know is preparing for what to do when the customers stop coming and who you can keep on the payroll and who you can't. And this is what people talk about. These were highly paid jobs, you know, because the minimum wage is actually pretty good. You guys mentioned uh, Tesla at the Telestrator, right? Yeah, he's got to buy but, Tesla. Uh, Piper ups AMD today. Deutsche ups UPS. Um, he's pretty bullish. Yeah. I mean, AMD takes, uh, Piper takes it to 56. I know. I mean, uh, yeah, look, these are the kinds of things I think people felt. When, when the market's done going down, we're going to make that call. I would feel much more comfortable recommending uh, a, a company that's more of a stay-at-home. Look, I think AMD, I've never hidden how much I like AMD. I think it's a fantastic company. But I didn't get the edge to that piece. I mean, what's the edge? Why do you have to do it today? What are you thinking? And the answer is, well, I got to do it today because it's like, I got to do it today. No, research should not be like that. You should have something, catalyst, 
some reason, not just like, hey, you know, AMG. Right. It doesn't work like that. It shouldn't. It, sometimes no. it does because momentum does have its impact, as you know. I know, but you know that that's... You'd rather, you like rigor. Yeah, and I, like, I don't do. want to be built on sand. Right. Um, like, let's see, you know, Intel's supposed to be having a price war with AMD on some products. Hey, by the way, it's interesting. We haven't mentioned the election yet. No, we haven't mentioned okay. Super Tuesday. There's, As we take a look, of course, the S&P is opening lower. You can see all its components there, and uh, it is uh, largely red. I at think this that, point. But yes, yeah, super big. This is a very important day, certainly for Michael Bloomberg's chances. Yes. I, I banked look, it all on today. Yeah, I really did. did. Uh, and Biden resurgent. The fact that UNH is up resurgent. today. UNH has been my tell. I know that there's people who look at various sites, betting sites, gambling sites about the election. Uh, UNH, when it's up, that signals that the uh, that Biden's going to win. And when it's down, that signals that Sanders is going to win. I'm going with you. I'll see you in H at the close. That stock has been absolutely unbelievably prescient about what's going on in the Democratic Party. It's almost as if there's someone who knows the number. But it's not really possible to know the number. No. Right? People haven't voted yet. No. But UNH is your bellwether. People are saying, hey, listen, who's going to win? Well, UNH. And UNH has been the moderates. How much has Bloomberg spent on Facebook ads? And will that go away come uh, Wednesday? I, I don't know. I mean, is Facebook pre-announced the upside? What are you talking about? I, I mean, I think he's been a pretty important uh, he's everywhere. engine of, uh, of ad spending he's, overall he's everywhere. For, uh, for all sorts of media. Um, and we'll see, obviously, what happens today. Guys, we did have a deal that we mentioned very briefly, but Thermo Fisher Scientific is acquiring Kaijin. This was a name that was around as a potential takeout candidate yes. towards the end of last year. It's a 23% premium, though, over the closing price for the company yesterday. Uh, 39 euros a share. It's all cash. Uh, when you throw in debt, it's about $11.5 billion total at current exchange rates. Uh, Jim Thermo felt, obviously, this is something they needed. We talked about this company a bit because they're involved in testing. Right. And Thermo, obviously, is a giant in so many different areas of the laboratory, so to speak. Um, but uh, they are saying uh, that, you know, they, uh, they believe it was something that they needed to do. Right. Well, I was going back and forth with Mark Casper, who is really a remarkable CEO nobody talks about too much, about why this is so necessary. It's immediately accretive and uh, deals going to significant value for customers and shareholders. Four clinical customers will benefit from uh, Quietgen's strong presence in the attractive molecular diagnosis market where there is consolidation. Yes. And not unlike Danaher's about to close, apparently, it's just what, the FTC? On the GE. On the GE deal. So right. you're really starting to deal with a couple of life science companies that are almost... Uh, Unassailable in their franchises. Right. Look at have, Thermo. Thermo is, by the way, if you go back and look at the performance uh, of the stock price, it's been it's incredibly incredible. strong. And Boy, they have been an face. aggressive acquirer for quite some time in terms of right. consolidating part of their industry. Mark has done a remarkable job quietly uh, taking a company that is uh, that was an, always a good company into the forefront of all the stuff that we talk about in terms of being able to beat these viruses and uh, analyze thing. I mean, it, it's a remarkably great company, as is Dan. Uh, They're both concern, great. I don't know if there's... There, What's that? Previously, there had been some concern on antitrust here, you know, when this had come up as a possibility, but yeah. unclear to me They're where, tis- that, what they where bought, that may stand. What was it? The, uh, what did they block? Harry's, right? That was the big... Yeah. They blocked oh, right. Harry's. Yeah, they blocked Harry's. So, you know, when you look at the FTC, of, they just well, stuck it to Harry's. The they stuck it to Harry's. And Harry's. I did want to add the Allergan getting closer and closer to a close. Ooh. They got EU. Yeah. They are still awaiting um, FTC. Remember, this is one of the largest deals of last year, of course. It's huge. Abby's al- uh, acquisition of Allergan. I am told by people familiar that uh, it could be as soon as a week. All right, good. Remember, FTC. numbers and will go up. you get the FTC approval, this thing will close. Numbers so. will go up. They have, as the chief spokesperson for the American Migraine Foundation, I can tell you that the pill that they have for acute, first pill for acute ever migraine is Dynomite. I wake, wake up with a migraine. I'll take that thing in an hour and a half. Uh, my head doesn't feel like no, the Davis been hitting it. Spreads have been a little hammer. wider lately. You can see it tightening up, but spreads have been a little wider, as you'd expect, just in terms of general yeah. risk in the risk arbitrage community, given the spread of the uh, of the virus and whether okay. or not there are potential outs for these companies in terms of claiming material adverse change. Wow. If it hasn't been carved out as a reason. Um, 
being the uh, the epidemic. Interesting on the Kaijin. It was around, and yet you got a huge premium deal there. That 47 had yeah. been reported on publicly, and yet it was a huge premium deal yesterday when Gilead announced it. Uh, and even the Taubman deal was a huge premium, huge. and it had been reported. And that was potential. incredible. So I mean, there have been opportunities for you out there in takeover land for things that have been made public, not by me, unfortunately, but by others in, 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 uh, in the press, and yet the stocks had not moved. No. And it is amazing, by the way, that you have some really Enough. great. Remember, you have, you know, Simon, Simon Properties. Yeah. You know, thirty what, thirty three billion dollars in dividend. He's they waited dividend. a couple of weeks. It would have been a lot worse for Taubman, right? I mean, yeah. Well, that Simon deal. For that Taubman. deal is structured so that everybody kind of wins. Yeah. I really like Simon. Remember, he's in good mall properties. Uh, Don Wood. I mean, what matters with the mall is look. Obviously, with Corona, mall may not be the first place you want to go. I went bowling this weekend. Not the first place from the apocalypse. You gotta, you gotta pick up the ball. And, and uh, other I people have held that ball. You have to yeah, have your own ball. ball. My friend Bruce Beerenbaum had his own ball, but didn't have the holes drilled. Uh, Thermo Fisher on the conference call uh, did say that uh, activity in China still very slow due to the virus, and that first half of 2020 will have less revenue than originally forecast. Wow. Yeah. Look at Apple reversed. Apple was up all morning. It was, and, and uh, they were telling a pretty good story. This market is really fraught. People at home, it, it, just find a level that you're really comfortable because this thing is going to be a wild ride. It is. Is, is Apple reflecting the Corvo guide? You know, I think Apple's re- reflecting that, that people are just kind of each day coming in and saying that the super cycle note that Wedbush, for instance, put out is not, you know, we're not talking about Apple's super cycle right now. Super cycle, last big super cycle, that was the coal super cycle, by the way. I mean, Corvo's up on the down, on the revenue and the guidance. I mean, again, everybody... Amazon is down, even though it's killing it on Amazon Fresh and Amazon Prime. They're running out of stuff. Trucks Amazon, never stop. Amazon, Amazon. Fresh stock, uh, trucks never stop on my block. It's really interesting when you get to Amazon for something like this, and it doesn't come from Amazon. It comes in a Staples box, but where is it from? The other mass I bought, they, they, the box was just, open. Just Amazon taking the 15% the box was off open. the top. Well, you was the one who taught us that, David. Yeah. It's the age of Amazon. It was. Um, guys, yesterday, Masa was in town. SoftBank's Masa. Uh, he was at the Palace Hotel entertaining about doing? 200 investors for, uh, for a meeting, uh, talking about all the things he's learned, continues to learn. Um, talked to a few people who were in attendance there. Not that much that we haven't heard from Mr. Masa. They said a bit of an apology tour is the way at least one person put it uh, to me, but pointed out, hey, you know, over time, my returns, 16%. How are yours? Uh, annually. Um, talked about 2000, how he went from being the richest man in the world to having no money. He's clearly a man who's willing to take risk. Said he doesn't have too much debt. Believes there's a lot of upside still left in Alibaba. Told the lizard story. Cut off 30% of its tail, it comes back, but 50% it doesn't. I'm not quite sure what that all means. Said he's a samurai. No excuses. Did say he overpaid for WeWork or at least that yeah. along the way, the valuation was too high. But overall, just sort of reminding people he's Masa, and this is what he does. Take it or leave it. He believes in the future of AI. He continues to believe in so many of those big themes. Thinks right. it's the she early, learning. early days, said Masa to, uh, to this crowd. There was a dinner that followed, apparently, as well. Does he still have uh, that aura about him, that untouchable aura? I don't know. I don't think so. No? No. And he's got Elliot on his case a bit on Jeez. governance and things of that we nature. We've barely gone into some of these Elliot's. Elliot's on. I mean, just think about Elliot. Just to, you know, Twitter, SoftBank, AT&T, eBay. I mean, they're, they're all over the place. On Twitter, there's going to be pushback, I think, from that board of directors in terms of their desire to get rid of, uh, to get see Mr. Dorsey replaced. Uh, and HP, you mentioned HP. Based on the conversations I've had, Jim, don't expect right. them to not uh, put up a fight there and say, Oh, yeah. No. I mean, not, we think Dorsey no. is the right guy. I mean, they have always been saying, look, we get half of Dorsey because Square. A half of Dorsey is better than 100% of most other executives. They talk yeah. about tremendous loyalty. They also had a great quarter. So they don't understand why they're being picked on now right. versus and the idea that these guys are picking an arbitrary timeline. In fact, he's had a team in there. And during the right. period of time that he has been leading the company, it has largely been positive is what they would say. 
Um, but the at the same time, years. that argument for why you should have a part-time CEO seems to be one that does have some resonance. So, so, so isn't there anyone on the board in that should put, put take me in that boardroom, David? It's a decent board. I mean, Kordestani is going to is a is a he's real. Know, he's real. He's going to potentially fight. Well, how right? about someone just says, you know what, yeah. uh, Jack's going to spend a little more time in the office. How about that? Could be. Could be. He's not exactly your pat on the back kind of guy. No, he's, he's a big thing. He's big thing. He's an introvert. He's got. Look, is he on the Virgin Galactic list? To go? Oh, I don't know. That'd be interesting. That would be. What about that? You saw those guys do the secondary, right, earlier? Of course. That's what it's about, David. It's about, well, I don't want to cast aspersions of Jimmy Chill. Uh, Jim, we didn't get to Target and Kohl's. Uh, yeah. Target beats revenue in line, although up only 1.8. Uh, e-commerce up 20. Uh, they do see uh, Q1 and the rest of the year pretty much in line. Did take a $40 million loss on Casper Sleep. Wasn't that interesting. They said it wasn't core. Uh, that's been a complete disaster. We don't talk about that unfriendly ghost. Look at that darn thing. Why don't you just take my wallet, please? Oh, Casper, you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Oh, gaff. It's the only time you'll have ever slept on one of those beds was right over there. When we go fishing, David. Yeah. Gaffer! Um, and then Coles, of course, nice 5% div hike. Uh, comps were flat. We were looking for down one-tenth. Uh, they do see 2020, uh, you know, 420 to 460. Streets at 458. Boy, that's so cheap. And they gave you the 5% dividend boost. I figured the stock would be up a buck and a half, but it's up four cents. Yeah. Jeez. Well, remember, it's a store. In the end, I'd rather go to Amazon and then return it at the store, which is what you can do with goals. The store, look, the store is a concept. You don't need to go to the store. If you stock up, you go to Costco. Everybody went to Costco. And then just go home after work. I was in a restaurant last night. I had a great meal, good meal. Good, and, I'm glad know, to hear that. Yeah, and there was like, oh, there, Coles is moving. And, and, and there were, you know, there were a couple tables that people were eating. Someone came up to me. Yes, they did. Said their son liked me. Just as long as they don't shake your hand. Well, that was the whole issue. I gave her a hug. Oh, that's not a good idea. I thought it was the last hug I ever. You want to limit social. You want social distancing. You need to have your social distance. Well, it's easy for you, David. You're an unfriendly guy. I am not a particularly friendly person. That is. Dave, this is when David does best. His curmudgeon meanness yes. really serves a purpose. I mean, my convivial nature is bad. It's not that this, big a this, fan. The stay-at-home economy, the Faber economy. Yeah, the Faber economy. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> see ya. As long as I got my now, wine and my tequila. Yeah, he's got the grub hub. Good he, books. Yeah, are you got got David. Dog. I like the dog. Yeah? What do you do, okay. David? Let's I hope think the that, dogs can't contract it. That's all. Yeah, the, I mean, David's got that. That's the latest, right? There was something yesterday. Yeah, the guy comes to David's house. Contract the virus. Guy comes to David's house and David... You know, what? gives him the glove. You know, he doesn't. He gives him gives him a little fist pump with this, right? I mean, ha, and ha, and then you know what happens basically is that this is as close to humans that David ever goes. You're looking at it. This is it. It's like. I really hope there's not a proctologist in future. Where are we going with this version? You know, David. Why don't you do a little Moon River? You remember Kramer and Seinfeld? Remember that episode? Jim, you mentioned Chevron earlier. Uh, they did say uh, they look to return as much as $80 billion to shareholders over Half five years. Uh, and Jim did talk to Michael Wirth earlier this morning. Take yeah. a listen. We've got the strongest balance sheet in the industry, and we're buying back shares. So we've got the cash-generating capacity to do both. When I talk to investors about share buybacks, they say we don't like them because we think companies only buy back when the price is high, when you're doing well. We've committed to buy back through the cycle. We're certainly in a down cycle now. We intend to see that through because we've got the, the, the best financial capacity in the industry. Do you think younger investors would ever own a oil company or is it the new tobacco? No, it's not the new tobacco, Jim. There's, there, there's big differences. Demand for our product is growing. The U.S. energy so economy small. has never been, the U.S. energy economy and jobs have never been bigger. The trade impact has never been better. It touches every aspect of life. And we're part of today's energy system, and we welcome the energy system of the future, which will be a lower carbon system, and we'll be part of that. If you had to buy one, it is yours, but why do you have to buy one? And I, was, I, I think Mike is phenomenal, by the way. He does the le- among the least flaring in the Permian, flaring right. being maybe the worst thing for the environment. in Australia. I know they have that program. He's right got the, la- the yes. largest, the largest. Right. He's done more ESG. We talked about planting trees. Uh, he's gained trees. 
who's against the trees. I've not found them yet. But the one thing that you're stuck with is, is that his industry is not a good actor. And he knows it. He needs, I told him, I said, you've got to start reining in your industry because their guy's flaring their darn fool heads off. So Mike is a good guy, and he's got a, he does a lot of forward thinking, and it does yield five, and they do have the best balance sheet, even after they pay off all the pay the dividend. But I buy just back, wonder, what, Jim, whether what? these things suffer from what will be an eternally low multiple. At that's this point, well, that's what I said. Right? That's what I told him, and I wasn't you know, even as miserable as you are. I just said, look, I think it's going to be a low multiple situation, and you know what? He didn't disagree. In if they can't break out of the ETF. And it's just this notion, passive investing, passive investing. Yeah, but you've got, I mean, the wave, right. is, the wave is divestment. College campuses, the endowment, divest. Uh, you, you, you go through it, divest. I'm not disagreeing. It doesn't help. No, it doesn't. I mean, only right now it's been Georgetown, the Harvard faculty, the California system. But I think it's coming. It's a steamroll. It's a steamroll. Really quick, uh, Governor Cuomo says uh, the man in Westchester, uh, that school closed because the man's child went to that school and then said uh, other schools may uh, close voluntarily. Uh, that's just out of the Cuomo presser. Uh, meantime, Dow's down 210. Let's get to Bob Pisani. Bob? Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Uh, banks weighing on the S&P 500 today. Uh, take a look at the sectors. So about even on the advanced decline line at the open, a little worse right now. Just want to point out here, there's the banks uh, down, energy a little weak. Materials marginally weak, semis marginally weak, industrials somewhat flattish. Let's call it flattish after uh, the real volatility we've seen. I just want to point out how remarkable some of the momentum stocks have been in the last few days. Microsoft's a good example. So on the 19th, here we were on Microsoft at 187, all the way down here uh, to, look at the bottom there, that's 187 to 152. And then all of a sudden, now we're back to 170 again. So Microsoft has essentially regained more than 40% of the losses it had in that enormous two-week period. If you look at some other things that are going on, uh, it's very curious. There's no bounce at all in travel stocks. I mean, nothing is happening here. And this did not move yesterday. Nothing in that huge rally yesterday. None of these stocks had any appreciable bounces at all. So that's very intriguing. We have big bounces in some large cap names, no bounces at all uh, in stocks that are travel related. How about the credit card companies? Actually, we had the same situation. The credit card companies bounced very nicely. So look at Visa. Here's Visa, 212. That's February 19th. We go all the way down here to, what, 173 or so? And look at the bounce here to 190. So this bounce is maybe, Visa bounced maybe 12% off of the lows here. That's very interesting. They're moving. MasterCard did exactly the same thing. MasterCard was, oh, $344. This is, again, February 19th. This is a big drop down here. So you're all the way down to 274. And now you bounce to 305. And you've got another essentially 12% move up. So what does it mean? Big cap stocks move. Travel and leisure don't move. Credit cards all move. I'm trying to read what the market is telling us at this point. It's telling us travel and leisure, they're anticipating no real bounce here and expecting a serious downturn. Credit card companies, though slightly different, consumer spending will likely rebound at some point. And the broader markets, there's a belief in fiscal monetary stimulus is coming for sure. And speaking of fiscal monetary stimulus, everyone in the world has lined up. How much more coordinated do you want to get in terms of response? The G7 this morning, we will use all appropriate policy tools. I don't know why people weren't satisfied with that. It was right at the top of the paragraph in the communique. They very clearly said they're going to do everything. Powell said the act is appropriate. The Bank of Japan will take necessary steps. The ECB stands ready. What more do you want? They're going to do something here. They've already communicated. Maybe not the details of whatever we wanted, but it's clear some action is going to be coming here. Finally, just want to point out something. Uh, the U.S. stock market has been under unprecedented stress in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we haven't seen numbers like this, trading numbers like this for a long time. We're going to be talking with the head of the SEC's Division of Trading and Markets. That's Brett Redford, 1140 Eastern Time. We're going to get an update on how the U.S. stock market is holding up. I'm not talking about prices. I'm talking about how the trading systems are holding up here. Brett will give us an update. And remember, we have not seen stress like this on our markets since the financial crisis in 2008. Update on that, 1140 Eastern Time. That's exclusively here on CNBC. Carl, back to you. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Bob. Bob Pisani. Let's get to the bond pitch as well this morning. Check in with Rick Santelli at the CME in Chicago. Hi, Rick. Good morning, Carl. And, you know, when little things, really minor things, start to change in a macro environment with lots of volatility, you really need to pay attention. So here's some of the little things that have changed. Other than a two-year note yield, which is now looking at its ninth session of lower yield closes, 
The rest of the curve broke their streak at seven. Yesterday would have been eight. So threes, fives, sevens, tens, thirties, all closed a bit higher in yield yesterday. And I only mean a bit. Now, on tens, let's look at that eight-day run. And you can see the little nib on the right there as it moved up a bit. If you open the chart up more macro to February, you can really see that little movement up on the right. So let's keep this in perspective. But it did bounce, A, B, the yield curve now is starting to flatten a little bit. The two-year note yield actually is only down two, and we're down more through the rest of the curve. The third year that had been best performing, notes over bond known as a knob had been widening. All that is reversing a bit. Something to pay attention to. One week of boons. Their yields have been volatile as well. Yesterday they were down to minus 66. They're now at minus 60 and moving a bit higher in yield. Dollar yen has been on fire. So you can see on this February 1st chart going all the way back to October. We haven't been at these levels against the yen. And finally, a year to date of the dollar index. It's having a very small up day now. Lost two and a half cents in basically a week. But the point is, 96.39 settlement for last year, 97.50 now. You really want to pay attention to the spread between where it's at and where it closed 2019. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, we'll see you in a while. Rick Santelli, the Treasury Secretary, as we said, testifying before House Ways and Means this morning. He talked about the coronavirus and our Elon movies on the Hill with all the latest. Hi, Elon. Hi, Carl. Well, this hearing was ostensibly supposed to be about Treasury's budget, but the secretary began his testimony by addressing the administration's response to the coronavirus. He gave us a little bit of color there, saying he spent five hours on Saturday in the Situation Room discussing how they are trying to contain the virus. He referenced that G7 call this morning, and he said that containing the outbreak is a major priority for the administration. Do everything we can acting together to combat this. And uh, I assure you it's a major priority. We look forward to the emergency funding from Congress. And if we look more issues, I'm, I'm sure there will be bipartisan support. On the testing, we, we are aware that there have been no issues to those medical professionals. Now, he did not offer any new details so far about what potential fiscal measures the administration would be considering. All he referenced there was that emergency aid package that Congress could propose likely today. I am told the amount of that package is ranging between 7 and $8 billion. But guys, that hearing is ongoing and we'll keep watching and listening to it. All right, Elon, thank you for that. Elon Mui on the Hill in front of House Ways and Means. Uh, Dow down 250 here to start this uh, Tuesday morning. We're back after a short break. All right, Jim, so Chevron tonight. And Livongo, and I can't wait to. Uh, I want people to watch Chevron because really del- delve into the issues. It's, by the way, it's not just that I was, you know, came back with a new tobacco. No, it's a real discussion. He's a, tr- he's a very thoughtful man. I'm trying to figure out why the stock didn't go up. All right, Jim. We'll see you at 6, uh, if not before. Uh, Dow down 326 on this Tuesday. Of course, coming off the biggest Dow gain in 11 years on Monday. Don't go away. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Sarah Eisen, David Faber, live at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. Once again, it's been an eventful morning. Uh, Futures looked okay. And then G7 uh, came out. Uh, with uh, the statement which had really no specific call for either monetary or fiscal policy. With that, market uh, did give up some gains, currently down about 271. We got some breaking news for that. Let's get to Steve Leisman. Federal Reserve cutting interest rates by 50 basis points, making a surprise announcement of a 50 basis point rate cut. The Federal Reserve saying the coronavirus poses an evolving risk to economic activity, though the fundamentals of the U.S. economy remain strong. The statement saying in light of these risks and in support of achieving its maximum employment and price stability goals, the Fed decided to cut interest rates. Uh, Fed say it is monitoring the situation. Uh, I think it's been since January 08 or so since you had a rate cut this size. But the Federal Reserve announcing that it is cutting interest rates by 50 basis points to a new target range of one to one and a quarter percent. This more or less meets the uh, market expectation of at least a 50 basis point rate cut. Uh, there was some uh, probabilities in the structure there of, of futures of a 75 basis point rate cut. That was not the uh, greater majority probability. Uh, so. 
the 50 basis point rate cut obviously effective immediately. And I can tell you guys that at 11 a.m. this morning, the Federal Reserve will hold a press conference, I believe, headed by Fed Chairman Jay Powell. And uh, CNBC will, cover, will carry that press conference live. Once again, a 50 basis point rate cut from the Federal Reserve following that G7 meeting, guys, which pledged there would be action. And here it is. I was a little surprised that markets were disappointed. The G7 never takes action. The action is done just like this by individual central banks, individual finance ministries. This is the first action. We'll, I guess, wait to see right now if other shoes drop, including the ECB, the Bank of Japan, as well as other fiscal authorities out there. Carl? I mean, Steve, we heard the oohs and ahs here on the floor and immediately saw more than 250-point Dow sell-off turn into a 300-almost point gain. We're up now about 200 points. Clearly a huge market reaction. I guess the expectation was they would do this, but it's surprising that they did it now, right? That they, weren't, that they didn't wait for the meeting. I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, I think that the, if, if, you, if you pay attention to the way these things go, Sarah, uh, and I know you do as well, that this is the way these things happen. The G7 doesn't cut rates. The G7 has no rates to cut. Individual central banks have rates to cut. Um, what the G7 announced this morning was exactly what was expected. Uh, very much word for word what they did during the financial crisis. If you look at the history of these things, they did a G7 meeting uh, in the financial crisis. Rate cuts cut, came afterwards. 9-11, they did an emergency G7 meeting. Rate cuts came afterwards. This is the process by which they go through. I think it's interesting here that whatever happened, they were able to surprise the market. I can tell you from my experience, knowing Federal Reserve officials, surprise is what they want in this case. We'll see if this surprise lasts. But the idea that they were still able to get a surprise, <clears throat> pardon me, after the G7 meeting was announced last night. I know some officials didn't even want the G7 meeting to be known by the market. What they wanted was a surprise G7 meeting followed by surprise rate cuts. They didn't get that. The G7 meeting leaked. It came out. The market seemed disappointed. They were still, it appears, looking at the market trading here, uh, able to uh, affect some form of surprise to the market. That's the way Federal Reserve officials believe these rate cuts work best is to surprise the market. Really quick, Steve. No dissents, I think. Uh, no, sorry. At the yes, here. absolutely. Unanimous decision here uh, by by the Federal Reserve. Also made some tinkering that if you're interested, you can read about uh, with the uh, uh, interest on excess reserves as well as the discount rate uh, rate uh, discount rate. Um, so they, they tinkered with that as well to try to help, again, grease the wheels and position the economy. Um, and I guess one of the questions that will, that will be asked of Jay Powell, is this a permanent cut? Is it a temporary cut? Certainly it's an, it's an attempt to uh, uh, resolve or, or, or diffuse the situation in the markets, provide some of the liquidity that uh, markets seem to be needing here. And we'll see how this plays both in the market and in the banking system. I think that's uh, going to be a clear thing for the Federal Reserve to watch. Our Steve Leisman, uh, as the market uh, reaction is pronounced, uh, Jim Cramer is here with us right. at Post 9. Talk about what this means, Jim. Really quick, uh, the fundamentals of the U.S. economy remain strong. However, the coronavirus poses evolving risks. Well, look, I, if the Federal Reserve was also able to make people go out, that would be something that matters. This is what does this. It moves the stock market, so maybe people feel better. There's a bit of a wealth effect, but this is a biological crisis. It's terrific that Jay's on board. Uh, he can do everything he can, but in the end, why go out? I guess they're trying to preempt, A, so more market pain, which you say. They can yeah. do that. At least they're doing it right now. We'll right. see if it lasts. And two, you know, if, if this really is a demand shock, like if consumers stay home, if housing activity completely stops, we don't know where it's going. Right, but it, but right. if that is the problem, that is something the but, Fed responds to with lower rates. But we know mortgage rates are actually still above where they were when the tenure was at two. OK, we also know that the problem is if you've got something that allowed you to get out of the hospital, we had a vaccine, anything, then you won't need this rate cut. But the more important thing is, is that we need people to be able to stay at work. You know, there's a lot of people who can work at home, but there's another group of people if they work at home, it's deadly. I want to see what the I want to see what the claims are. Yeah. Steve, um, Steve, you're still with us. What about the critics who are certain I would assume to say, well, this cuts their ability to really respond if the economy tanks and we have a recession. Uh, and those who also say, given the president's relentless badgering of the Fed, that they are knuckling under to his desires. Um, 
I'll take the latter one. The Fed is not going to respond to that, as you know, David. They've been trying to sort of put blinders on and do their job as they think they ought to do it. I think they wish that the president wouldn't do what it's doing. Uh, I think that this act comes irrespective of the president's wishes here. Um, on the first question, I understand that point of view. I think it's a legitimate point of view. I will offer you the other side, David, which is that the research done since the financial crisis suggests that as you get closer to zero, when and if you have bullets to shoot, you ought to do it earlier and more forcefully. If there is going to be some downturn related to the coronavirus in the economy that has the potential to last, not just a temporary downturn, that the Fed ought to address it earlier and more forcefully. That's what the research says. And David, I don't know how to counter the other side of the argument, which is perfectly legitimate, that you ought to hold on to it. I think at some point you make a judgment call that what's happening now, what's happened in China, the supply uh, mm. shortage that's going to develop or that's already developing, the possibility that you have consumers not going out and spending and reducing uh, their, their spending levels uh, is one that the Federal Reserve thinks represents a serious threat to the U.S. economy. Right. Hey, Steve, there's a Fed meeting coming up. Uh, and I think and you know, a lot of the guests on CNBC expected this move to happen then. So what are we, two weeks away? So I think that's the surprising element that it happened outside right. of a meeting. What, what is he going to do at the meeting? Well, uh, if things get worse than expected, uh, you might imagine adding another quarter point. I, did, uh, I have been showing those probability charts that showed there was something like, I want to call it a 60 percent probability of a 50 basis point rate cut. Um, by the way, it's not actually for the meeting. It's for the end of the contract at the end of the month of March. So it can happen any time. It doesn't really pinpoint when it happens. Um, and some 30 or 40 percent probability of a 25 basis point rate cut. And I suppose what's just happened now, Sarah, is the debate in the market has become one of zero or 25 at the March meeting. Um, I, there's also been times throughout these last, especially call them 10 days of, of tumult in the markets, that uh, the market has priced in a full percentage point rate cut uh, as, as, as soon as July, that whole 100 basis points, or later on into the fall. So that's another part of the debate is how much more the Federal Reserve is going to do. I think it's also probably not crazy to start talking about whether or not additional quantitative easing is out there. We have also talked in the last couple of days about some speculation, J.P. Morgan among them, that rates could eventually go to zero as a result of this crisis. I think the numbers to watch, and I'm kind of echoing Jim Cramer, I believe, on this, are not necessarily the economic numbers, though we will watch those. I think they're the infection numbers. I think those are the ones right. that are going to determine, and also critically, yep. the infection numbers will determine the actions that are taken by businesses, by schools, by governments, as to how much of a shutdown there is to the economy. Totally. I mean, look at the stocks that are really going up. It's the recession stocks. Stock, people are saying, you know what, I'm making a determination. The Fed's really worried. Then I should be worried. So let's go buy uh, the soft goods. Let's go buy uh, consumer packaged goods. Uh, let's go buy the things that people hoard. They're not going and t starting to take uh, Caterpillar. I mean, Caterpillar's up a little bit because it's in the Dow. But, you know, this isn't necessarily going to produce anything other than, I think, some degree of fear because we need to see, the yes, the infection numbers, the biological that's the biological uh, contract. That's what we need to worry about. Uh, it's not only the first emergency rate cut since the crisis, it's the largest rate cut since That's the fall important. of 2008. Uh, Rick Santelli, you're with us as well. Your reaction? Yeah, I'll tell you what. I was as shocked as anybody, of course. The reaction? Well, let's look at the dollar index. I, I, it I was up go. about an eighth of a cent. It, up 15. Now it's down 19. If you look at a two-year note yield, it was 88. Now it's at 81, down nine basis points. If you look at 10-year note yields, they were around, I don't know, let's say 113. They went down to 109. Now they're right back to 113, where they were before the 50 basis point cut. And 30-year bonds, basically the same place after dropping to 166. Equity markets, the issue here is, I'm not going to debate, everybody out there listening and watching knows I think this was a mistake. And I also think that it was not because of pressure from the president. If we had a different president, my guess is Jay Powell and company would have done the same thing. I guess my question is more philosophical. 
Why did they do it? What is the trigger? I know everybody's thinking, what's wrong with this guy? It was coronavirus. But read what they say. It says, the coronavirus evolving risks to economic activity. In light of these risks and in support of achieving its objectives, they're, they're basically easing because of coronavirus. And they say the economy's underpinned strongly. So, if everything is real in that statement, when the coronavirus passes, they should take those 50 back. And we all know the chances of that are minute. And I guess that's the way I look at it. They gave the market what the market wants. And much of it probably is from the phone call and the pressure of other central banks. We know Australia already did it. The Eurozone, what are they going to do? Start scraping the glove compartment looking for pennies? There really isn't much left that they can do. So here they go. And if the stock market closes lower today, it will just be a demonstration of how they wasted those two eases. My opinion. Jim, I know you got to leave. Uh, you got a last word? I mean, we have- well, I just think that it's great that the Federal Reserve recognizes that there's going to be weakness, but there maybe I, it makes me feel, wow, the weakness must be much more than I thought. And I've been trying to be bullish, but I can't. But this is like, wow, okay, 50 basis points. I guess the claims are going to be bad. I guess that we're going to have a real slowdown here. And I just wish that we had uh, some great doctors and some great drug companies that could solve this. And that's, we can take back and add 50. I don't care. But I'm now nervous. I'm more nervous than I was before. But don't you think they had to do 50 because the bond market was already pricing yes, that in? Yes, so absolutely. So they had to come out well, and surprise. Yes. And, I mean, Kevin Warsh made the case, right, he's former Fed governor, that, you know, this is looking like a pretty severe crisis. Why wouldn't the Fed just get out in front and say, we hear, we're here, we're going to try to prop up the economy, and we can take it back if things work right, out Right, but okay. I think they can't prop up the economy because it's not... It's not theirs. But I mean, they at least I, have to try if they, they have, have the to, tools. Everybody's got to try, I guess. I mean, yeah. what, we want the Defense Department to try. I mean, everyone has to pitch in. But I'll tell I you want everyone to, to try. No, yeah. no, I just mean, I mean that I would, if we got a drug that got it so we were out of the hospital, I don't care about 50 bases. We can raise rates 75 bases. But this is about trying to get it so that this country doesn't freeze up. And obviously the Fed thinks it's going to freeze up. Jim, thank you. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.